I missed you guys the last couple weeks. Where have you been? Oh, I wasn't here? It's good to see you. I missed you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. It's good to be back. It's been a couple weeks off with my family and had us a rip-roaring great time. And now we're back. Ready to go. All right. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, Do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child, and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Well, I need you guys to pray this morning, and specifically, pray for Karen this Christmas. I need you to pray that she stops making her Heath Bar candy that she forces on me. Every year at this time. This stuff is dangerous. It's, it's composed of butter and sugar brought to a boil, poured over a bed of pecans, allowed to harden, and then chocolate over the top of it. That is a picture of it right there. The problem is, is it's so dangerous that, for me, the stuff is like crack. I mean, I, I can't walk by it without eating it. And I don't just eat a little bit of it. I keep going back until either it's all gone or she has given it away because she has other clients that she's hooked on this stuff. I know. And uh, no sooner do I get through a batch than she gets her green pot out. She's back at the stove with her little Heath Lab fired up again. (laughs) You pray for her. You guys laugh. But all it's going to take is a Coleman stove and her green pot. She's going to be in your garage getting you hooked on this stuff. And once you're on it, you can't get off it. I'm serious. You need to pray for her. This week, this week I caught her on the playground of Richard Avenue Elementary School trying to get little kids to eat it. (laughs) It's bad. It's out of control. My addiction is her fault. Ever hear that one before? (laughs) Well, the reason I tolerate my addiction to homemade Heath Bar is because it makes me happy. 
I excuse its assault on my body, and I excuse the guilt and the shame that overcomes me after I've eaten three-quarters of a pound of it. Because I think that it is the substance, it is the sinful substance that I can take into my body that will finally bring me the happiness, that euphoric sense of happiness that I feel like I was put on this earth to find. <laughs> what step am I on? <laughs> and I haven't even one yet, am I? All of my Christmas addictions are for the same reason. I think they're going to bring me happiness. I think they're going to make me happy. Which raises the question of the day for those of us who say that we're followers of Jesus Christ. And the question is, why in the name of all that's holy would we settle for happiness when God is offering us something so much more? Something better than happiness? What could be, what could be better than happiness? How about joy? How about joy? How about trading in our happiness or our addictive cycles toward happiness for something deeper, something more substantial, something the Bible calls joy? In Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, which I read for you just a few minutes ago, it says that uh, give birth to a son and we'll call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You say, I thought his name was Jesus. Did he have two names? Of course. Do you have two names? Yeah. Jesus' name was Jesus. In Greek, it's Jesus Christos, Jesus Christ. In Hebrew, it's Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, Joshua the Messiah. Yeshua means salvation is with us, salvation has come. That's the first part of the name of Jesus. But the second part of the name of Jesus is Emmanuel. Emmanuel in the Old Testament, Emmanuel in the New Testament, because it's a transliteration of the Greek from the Hebrew. Emmanuel. And it means the same thing. It means God is with us. God is with us. That the defining mark between the Old Testament and the New Testament is that God came to dwell among us. And he stayed. You say, no, he went away. He stayed for 33 years and he did his thing and then he went away. But Jesus said, it's good that I go away, because if I go away, the Father will send the Holy Spirit so that I'll be with you forever. And so the big difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament is all wrapped up in the name of this Emmanuel, this God is with us. In the Old Testament, there were prophets and priests and kings, select individuals who were chosen by God to experience his presence and tell everybody else, but the rank-and-file Jews like we would have been we're left to live vicariously through them and go, really, really? That's great. I will believe on the basis of your experience. And then Jesus came. And Emmanuel, God with us, came. And Jesus lived a perfect life. He died a perfect death. He rose from the dead. He ascended to the Father. And the Father sent the Holy Spirit so that the prophecy of Joel is fulfilled, that in those days I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh. That we have equal access to the experience of God. You don't have to depend on a priest. You don't have to depend on a pastor. You don't have to depend on anybody. God is calling you to experience him. And what happens when we experience God? Well, the direct result is joy. 
is something called joy. Jesus said in John 15, verse 11, said, Well, I've come so that your joy may be full. I've come that you may have my joy. My joy may be in you. I want to give you this thing called joy. When you experience Christ, you experience something called joy. He wants to give it to us. And he wants it to be complete, full, powerful joy inside of us. In Galatians chapter 5, it says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I rolled over into verse 23 a little bit there too. But this is the fruit of the Spirit. That as we encounter God and our approach to Him and our experience with Him through His Son, Jesus Christ, as we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is first love and then joy. So that as we encounter God through His Son, Jesus Christ, He's offering us joy. So my Christmas question is, why would we settle for happiness when we could have joy? Maybe scratching your head a little bit and going, aren't they kind of the same thing? And I understand we often use them interchangeably, and I suppose that's okay to a degree. But when it comes to following Christ, it's my sense that the word joy, in the way that Jesus used it, was meant to be something different than happiness, that there's an important distinction between the two. You notice that recently the Lord has blessed us as a fellowship with an understanding of the distinction between praise and thanksgiving. You know, we've been over that over the last few weeks or the few weeks before I went away, uh, and that there's an important distinction between praise and thanksgiving. I've got a lot of feedback from you guys about how that has helped you, how that has, in some cases, rejuvenated your prayer life and, in some cases, your worship life because you understand that there's an important difference between praise and thanksgiving, that we thank God for what he's done, but we just praise him for who he, who he is, no matter whether he's done anything or not. And there may be times in your life where you don't feel like you have a lot to be thankful for, but you always praise him. There may be times in your life where it's okay not to be so thankful, but there's never a time in your life when it's not okay to praise him because he's still God, right? And as we praise him, he releases his power. As he releases his power, then we have something to thank him for. I think we're going to see a lot more of that in this coming year, how God's going to develop that among us and how this place is really going to explode in praise for God. It's going to be awesome. But there was an important distinction between those two words, and it was my sense that those words really aren't brothers. They're more like cousins. And so in the same way, happiness and joy really aren't brothers. They're cousins. They're related to one another, but they have some important differences let me begin with a couple of what i hope become useful definitions for you let's define happiness as a positive state of mind derived from the pleasure of favorable circumstances Does that make sense so when you're happy you're positive you have a positive state of mind and it's derived from a pleasurable state of circumstances that things are going well right checkbooks balanced mama's happy because if mama ain't happy Ain't nobody happy, right? You know, the circumstances are good. Cars running okay. All these kind of things are working out. And you're like, well, there, my ducks are in a row. David said, my boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places. 
His circumstances were good, and he found a happiness in that. Now, the fact that we derive pleasure from them, and the fact that the state of mind is connected to the pleasure of the circumstances, means that the circumstances have to be good in order for us to be happy. But how many of you have noticed that the circumstances aren't always good? Go ahead, raise your hand. Right? You don't have to be specific. (laughs) Yeah. And you notice that when the circumstances change, your pleasure of them evaporates and you're not, you're not so happy anymore. Okay, so that's happy. Well, joy, on the other hand, I believe is a little different. So let's define joy as a positive state of mind derived from the confidence of knowing that no matter what happens, God is in absolute control of your life. Did you hear that? There's a difference. It is a positive state of mind. They're both positive states of mind. Joy is positive. But it's built not on the circumstances of our lives, but it's built on the confident knowledge that no matter what the circumstances are, God is somehow in absolute control of your life. That brings a different kind of deal there, doesn't it? Yeah. Maybe the checkbook balances, maybe it doesn't. Maybe mama's happy, maybe she's not. Maybe things are going well at work, maybe you got the pink slip. But in reality, you have a deep, abiding confidence that God's in control of every circumstance of your life. That's joy. It's positive. It's joy. Let me put a graphic up on the screen here for you, and maybe we can break this down a little better for us. Happiness. Happiness is dependent on the relative quality of your circumstances. When things are good, you're happy. Things are bad, you're not happy. Happiness is externally driven. You're happy when things outside of you make you happy. Circumstances give you the opportunity for pleasure, and the pleasure makes you happy. So it's on the outside. And to the extent that you can control those circumstances, you can make yourself happy. How many of you have noticed that we're not always in control of all of our circumstances? Happiness is fragile, can be fragile and fickle because of that. Because we can't always control all of our circumstances. Things happen that are outside of our control. And so the happiness can be fragile. Wow, I was just happy a minute ago. But I just learned this. Now I'm not happy. It's fragile. It's fickle. It's undependable. Happiness is dependent on your ability to create and control a favorable world. And we have a certain amount of influence on our world, do we not? We make decisions along the way. Some of them make us happy. They create for, and then some of them don't. Joy, on the other hand, by comparison, joy is dependent on the degree to which we are authentically experiencing the presence of God. Remember, Emmanuel, God is with us. He came to give us what? Joy, complete joy. So when we experience him, we have joy. When we experience God in the present power of his Holy Spirit, in the move of his Holy Spirit, through his son Jesus Christ, his finished work on the cross, then we have opportunity to have joy. So the joy isn't dependent on the circumstances. The joy is just dependent on God and our experience of him. Joy is internally driven. Joy is an inside job. Joy works at our hearts, right? Joy begins inside where we meet with God. You have that private place. Come on. You have that private place. I know aspects of your walk with Jesus are public, but you have that private place. Every single one of you 
has a private place, a hunger for God, a place where you meet God. And when you meet him there in the power of his word, in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, then joy comes. It's internally, and, it's, and it moves then from the inside out. Happiness from the outside in. Okay. Joy is durable and abiding. Joy is durable. Why? Because God's durable. To the extent that you maintain your relationship with God, your joy is there. Doesn't matter what circumstances are. Circumstances can be crumbling all around you. How many times have you see in the Bible where it doesn't look good, but they have their joy. They have their joy in the midst of it. They have their ultimate confidence in God. And that sustained them in their times of unhappiness, but they had joy. And joy is dependent on God's ability to be sovereign in any and every circumstance. Is God sovereign? He is. That's an attribute of God. We better hope so. Because if he's not sovereign, it means there's something bigger than him. And I guess that'd be God. If there was something bigger than God, the other thing would be God. But it's God. He's God and he's sovereign. He's sovereign. He's in control. Book of Job says that no plan of his can be thwarted. No plan of God's can be thwarted because he's sovereign. And so our joy is not dependent on our ability to create favorable circumstances, but on God's ability to be sovereign over our circumstances. Is this making sense to anybody? You're awful quiet. Did you miss me that much, really? Seriously? Or do you just need a little shot of something right now? Heath bar? Boy, now I'm, now I'm distracted. Got to get this thing over with so I can get to my Heath bar. Happiness and joy. My happiness was fractured this week. My truck went into the shop. Oh, it's bad. 2008 Dodge Ram pickup truck in the shop. The rear end went out of it. I hate it when my rear end goes out, you know. I just hate that. Rear end, something about a ring gear or something. It's not good. It's all, it's torn down up there at the dealer right now. Man, I was unhappy about that. And then they called me and said, hey, while we got this thing torn down in the back, would you like us to replace the crankshaft seals front and back that are also blown? That's a big deal, isn't it, Bill? That's a big deal. I mean, it's not the main bearings, but it's the seals. It could be. Oh, I got wore, unhappy. My circumstances caved in around me. But then he said, hey, good news. You're on your last days of your warranty, drivetrain warranty. Oh, I got happy again. Oh, man. Went from unhappy to happy. All of a sudden. It's only going to cost me 150 bucks deductible. I don't know why there's a deductible on a warranty. It's either a warranty or... So I got a little less happy, but I'm still happier than like three grand, right? Yeah, so, so I'm happy again. And then they said, and not only that, but Chrysler has a rental car agreement here that they're going to give you a rental car while it's laid up. I got happier still. Oh, good. Karen, I don't have to figure out how to share one car, and it's too cold to ride my motorcycle. And so they sent me over to Hertz, and Hertz gave me this stripped-down Jetta that's about three inches off the ground, and I can't get out of the thing, you know? It's out there, and I just kind of push the door open, kind of roll out, you know, and call somebody on my cell phone to come and help get me up. It's, 
And so I was sad again because I was happy. Then I was sad. And so I have this fantasy in my mind I'm working on. What if uh, like a general manager of a nearby car dealership, let's just pick one out of the blue, Toyota West, because <laughs> he goes to this church. Um, what if he called me this week and said, hey, Tom, I just heard from Toyota. They got this program going where they want a pastor to drive a Tundra truck for a few years. And all you got to do is like once a month, just give them your feedback from a pastoral perspective of how the truck is working out. That would make me really happy. (laughs) Right? I wouldn't even go pick up the Dodge if I got that. You can have it. I'm good. Right? Happiness is dependent on the changing circumstances. But none of that stuff can touch my joy. None of that stuff can touch my joy. You can't touch my joy. You're not welcome in it. You're not welcome into the place where I have this private, intimate relationship with God. You can't come there. Get your own. You can't come there, so you can't touch my joy. You can make me very unhappy. You You have power over my happiness. And I have power over your happiness. Because we grant that to each other. But we can't touch each other's joy if it's founded on that relationship with God, right? Are you hearing me? This morning I was out doing my thing out on the wall. The big trail we have around our 18 acres here where lots of us like to go and pray. I'd like to thank whoever else is sharing that wall with me in the snow. You look like you're about a size 7. Thank you. And uh, I go out there early in the mornings on Sundays and other days of the week, but on Sundays in particular, and just pray for you guys. Pray for God to come and do whatever God wants to do. And it's cold out there this morning. It was cold. And, you know, it was dark. And there's a couple coyotes that bed down in this stretch over here. And sometimes we scare each other, you know. And, and we're both equally frightened. And... I was hoping not to run into them, so I was kind of unhappy about being out there. But why do I do that? It's because it's out there that I encounter God, and that's where I get my joy. And what you want your pastor to find more than anything else is joy. And you know that sometimes I'm happy and sometimes I'm not happy, right? But you want me to have that joy, and I want you to have that joy. I want you to have joy this Christmas. I want you to have it. That's what Jesus said. Some of us have been to other places in the world. Some of you have been with Karen and me to India. Some of you have been with Karen and me to Brazil, out in the jungles of these countries. Some of you have been other places. You've been to Africa, Central America. You've been to all these places. And you've encountered Christians who have so much less than we have, right? I mean, their circumstances, by comparison, are so difficult. But what if we all come back saying that we covet their joy? That man, I'd like to have half of that joy that those people whose circumstances are so difficult, they found the joy, those believers in those countries, 
you worship with them, it's like you just feel ill. And then I have to preach after that. I have to preach to these people who are ten times taller than me in Jesus. Because they have joy. Some of you have seen that. You know, I don't think there's a thing wrong with pursuing happiness in our lives. Not a thing. Go after it. Go get it. To the extent that you can ethically control the circumstances of your life, do it. And make the best life for yourself that you can. But just remember, A, it can become an idol. Happiness can become an idol. And B, you can't control everything. Right? In the end of all this, I've come to a conclusion. I've been, I've read the Bible many times. I've been a part of, it's been my privilege to be a part of the lives of literally several thousand Christians on three continents. And I've been following hard after Jesus as best I know how for coming up on 40 years. And I've come to this conclusion. It's that Jesus did not promise to make us happy, but he did promise to give us joy. Jesus didn't promise to make us happy, but he did promise to give us joy. And that's what I want. He said, in this world you'll have trouble. He said that. He said, blessed are you when men persecute you and revile you and say all manner of evil against you. That doesn't sound happy, does it? Blessed are you. How? Because in the midst of that, you can cling to your joy. How do you get this joy? By moving into the presence of God. By asking God to come. Dwell in in your midst. Your level of joy is determined only by the extent to which you're authentically experiencing the presence of God. Jesus has two names. Yeshua. That's your salvation. You know his first name so well. You're depending on him for the forgiveness of your sins, are you not? We are depending on Jesus to forgive us of our sins. I certainly am. But do we know his other name? Emmanuel. God is with us. Seems like in America we put so much emphasis on you better get saved. You better get yourself saved. And that's an essentially important issue that we spend so much time there. By comparison, we fail to move on to the other side of Jesus. Emmanuel, God is with us. He wants to be with us. He wants us to encounter him in the power of his presence and have joy come as a result. Some of you will be happy this Christmas, but not necessarily joyful. Some of you will pull Christmas off. How many of you are already in process of wearing yourself out to create the best possible circumstances for Christmas? And you're spending money maybe you don't have, but you're doing things in order to make other people happy. To cry to create a fulfillment of their expectations. Come on. You can only control so much of that, right? Some of you will do it, though. You'll pull it off. You're amazing. You've been working at it all year, haven't you? And it'll be great. You'll be happy. But I'm going to ask you... Will you be joyful? Some people are able to develop so much happiness that it insulates them from their need for God, and so they don't press into God and get the joy, and they settle for happiness. Some of you will be very happy 
at Christmas, but you may not be joyful. Some of you will be joyful this Christmas, but you may not be happy. You may be going through a season in your life that the circumstances are terrible, they're threatening, and you you, you feel like it's all out of your control. There's nothing you can do to create a happy circumstance, a happy world for yourself. But you can have joy because none of that can touch your relationship with God unless you invite it in. So some of you will be joyful, but things being what they are, you may not be happy this Christmas. If I had to pick, I'd go for joy every time over happiness because it's durable, it's abiding, and it fulfills my need to know God. My prayer for you is that you're all joyful and happy. That's my prayer, is that you know God, you encounter God, and the joy gets filled up, and that the circumstances are favorable for you, that the boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places, and you're joyful and happy. That's my prayer for you. It's my prayer for me. It's my prayer for all y'all. That's what I want for you. But if you want joy, you want to make sure you got joy, I want to ask you to invite the presence of God to come into this room, into this church, into your personal life, into your marriage, into your relationships, into your job. Just invite the presence of God to come so that you can have this durable and abiding joy. There's something about that, about inviting God to come. God, would you come? And it's not that he's not here. I don't know all the theology behind it. But he responds to that request when people of God sincerely Say, God, would you come and move among us? Would you let us know that you're here? And that's, that's your job. That's your job is to agree with that and pray. Don't let somebody do that for you. You've come. Agree with that and say, God, would you come? And when he comes, you want to surrender to him because it's in surrendering to God that you'll have the encounter with him from which you'll derive your joy. You see, I think this is why we so often prefer happiness to joy. Because happiness leaves control in our hands. I'm just going to order my world to make myself and the people that are important to me happy. But joy says, I have to give up control. I have to surrender control over to God. It begins with an invitation. It begins with surrender. So, Father, we bow before you now in this place. And words really couldn't say how grateful we are, first of all, that you exist. Our lives would be so pointless.